Oh, come on, give him praise, church. Give him praise. You may, you may tell you what the crazy part about that song is. You don't know he's a great God till you have a great problem. Or till you're in a great valley. Or you're in a great storm. We don't like none of that stuff. We don't like the storms. We don't like the valleys. We don't like the problems. But you'll never understand how great your God is till you need a great solution. And you need a great power. Amen? Amen. Let's just give the Lord praise one more time. He's worthy of our praise. Yes. My, my, my. The Lord is good. He sure is all the time. Grab your Bibles. Grab your Bibles and turn back with me to Matthew chapter number 16. Just remain standing for just a second. We'll read a verse and I'll let you sit down. Uh, Matthew chapter number 16. Uh, we ran out of time last week, so we're just going to finish what we didn't get finished last week. Say amen. Uh, we're going to take that last part, and, and, and we've been preaching about life. For the last three or four weeks, two or three weeks, we've been preaching about life. And man, life comes and life goes, doesn't it? Life goes by so fast. Uh, Job said, man that is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. And we've experienced that this week. We need to pray for uh, Brother Doyle and Miss, Miss Belisa and, and Peachy and Parsha. They've gone back to West Virginia. His aunt passed away. Uh, which would be Peachy's sister, I believe, and, uh, and, and we've had several deaths in the church, uh, just stuff, I mean just stuff happening, and, but, it's, but it's, just, it's more than that, it, it's uh, life itself, weddings. Uh, Friday, Friday, I, I spent most of the morning down at UAB around a bedside with uh, probably one of my favorite ushers in the church as he uh, was waiting to go into heaven. His family was all around him, his kids were all around him, probably one of the precious, most precious moments I've ever had in ministry. Uh, his, his family, his kids prayed, I mean just went right around the bed and all of them was praying and, and thanking God for his mercy and thanking God for his grace and asking God for his will and, and peace in that time. And they started singing, uh, 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 what, what was the song? Um, when peace like a river attendeth my way. Oh, yeah, it is well with my soul. And, man, I had tears. I'm telling you, just tears flowing through my, uh, through, flowing down my face. And, and I left the hospital there and, and, and come back to Coleman and, and went to a wedding rehearsal. And, and you go from one extreme to the other. You have a, a, a bunch of people in grief and a, a bunch of people in sorrow of losing their loved one. Then we have families that are all excited and all all uh, just pumped up about this, this event. And, and, uh, and it was a cowboy wedding too, can you tell? I was liking it, amen. It was one of the coolest weddings I had ever seen in my life. The groom wrote a poem for his wife that the father-in-law read as he come up over a hill on the prettiest buckskin horse you ever saw in your life. And I tried to convince him. I said, look, if he gets to ride in on a horse, can I ride in on a mule like Festus? I mean, that seems logical, say amen. But they wouldn't let me, amen. But I just, I, I went home that night. I went home after all the things, and I began to think how life is so full of ups and downs. But it's life. 
being at the hospital and, and, and seeing the departure of a loved one is as much of life it is seeing someone standing and, and giving their vows and making a new life together. And guys, I want you to really think about life today. This will be really the final message in this particular series on life. But I want you to, I want you to understand life is short. Life is temporary. And life is a gift Life is, say that with me, life is a, it's a gift. Man, we need to treat it, we need to treat it with the the, the most utmost concern that we can. Amen? Let's look in Matthew 16. We'll we'll skip some of the verses, I'll come back over them for those that were not here last week, but let's skip down to verse 21. Let's skip down to verse 21, Matthew 16, 21. The Bible says, from that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go into Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. But he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me, or a stumbling block. You are an obstacle. You're an offense unto me, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is it profited? Man, this is a, an important verse. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he shall reward every man according to his works. Father, thank you, Lord, for your blessings. Thank you for a good spirit in your house. Thank you for all the people that's come this morning, and they're expecting to hear from you, and I pray they will. Lord, I believe I have your word. I believe I have the message you want me to deliver. But God, I need the unction to do it. I need your Holy Spirit to guide my mind and my thoughts and my, uh, Lord, my words that everything I say will be clearly comprehended and understood. I pray that we can all leave and say that the Lord has spoken to me today. And God, I'll praise you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Remember, if you're in life groups, remember the first question usually of, of most life groups uh, questions is this. What one thing stood out in the message this week? And, and that is a, that is a, a, a on-purpose question that we are placing there because we want you to be listening for the Lord to speak to you. Now, no matter who you are in this place, no matter what your background is, no matter where you come from, God has the ability to let me say whatever you need to hear. And I want you to be listening. I want you to be listening, not just to bring it up in the, in the group. I want you to, uh, you know, uh, cooperate and, and, and be a part of that too. But I want you to listen for God to speak to you. Because He is always speaking. The question is, are we listening? Are we listening? So, here's a brief review. Here's a brief review. Uh, last week, we, we discussed the fact that Jesus has spent all this time training His disciples teaching his disciples who he was, what he came for, and and what he wanted to do. And now he is asking for their profession of faith. 
He's saying, who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And, and some had different confusing answers to the question. Some thought he was John the Baptist raised from the dead. Some thought he was just a cool dude, a prophet that could, could fix people. And, and, and some had varying ideas of who they, they thought he was. But Jesus said, and he got personal. And by the way, this salvation thing is a personal thing. It's not a y'all thing. You don't get saved by, by committee. You don't get saved by family. I was born in a preacher's house, and, and I had a preaching dad and a Sunday school teacher for a mom, but that didn't get me in. Because it didn't matter what they thought of Jesus, it matters what I think of Jesus. He says, who do men say that I am? Then he said, but who do you say that I am? And Peter said, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God, flesh and blood. And Jesus says, blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, flesh and blood has not revealed this unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And then he gave him a great responsibility. Peter would have a great responsibility when it came to the book of Acts and the early church and, 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 and getting the early church instituted. So here we have Peter, a saved man. Here we have Peter who has professed faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Here we have Peter who has not only professed faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, now he's got this great responsibility that's given to him by Jesus. So we could, we could say he's about where he needs to be, almost. Because right after that, Jesus begins to tell him that he's going to have to suffer. I'm fixing to go to Jerusalem. I'm fixing to be killed. I'm going to be arrested. I'm going to be falsely accused. They're going to beat me. They're going to batter me. They're going to kill me. But I'm going to get up, say amen. But this is what Peter says. Whoa! You remember the one that just professed faith in him? You remember the one that Jesus just blessed? And gave a great responsibility. So he's a pretty good Christian, if we want to use that terminology for today. He's in pretty good standing. But then he says, wait a minute. No, we're not all about that. I, I, you know, I'm all about the, the healing stuff. And I'm all about the kingdom reigning stuff. And I, I, I'm all about, but I, I don't know about this sacrificing and dying stuff. And Jesus says, get thee behind me, Satan. In other words, Jesus is telling Peter, you're allowing and influencing your life. You're allowing a voice in your life that does not need to be there. Now, let me apply that to today like we did last week. Sometimes when you go through difficult things, there's a voice on your shoulder whispering in your ear saying, you don't deserve this. If your God was so great, if your God loved you so much, He wouldn't allow you to be through this difficulty or He wouldn't allow you to be experiencing this pain. And I'm telling you, that is satanic. Oh, if God loved you, you wouldn't be having these problems. Oh, if you was right with God, then you wouldn't be going there. Well, tell that to Job. Are y'all with me? So anytime that voice goes to jumping on your head, this is your response. Liar. Liar, liar, pants on fire. I said it. You know what the Bible says about the devil? He's a liar. And he's the father of lies. He can't do nothing but lie. So when he tells you that God don't care about you because of what you're going through, you tell him he's a liar. liar. He's a liar. He says, get thee behind me, Satan, thou art an offense unto me, a stumbling block, an obstacle. What, what Jesus is saying is, I've got a responsibility. I've got a purpose. I've got a destiny. And think about this. He is saying, I have come not for myself, now, this is, this is the key. This is what's going to lead us into the message today. This is what we got to get. And, and we don't have to... 
Some people have the idea that the preacher preaches so he can get, uh, he, he can get what he wants out of the people. And that's not true. The preacher preaches the truth so the people can get the truth so the people can lead a better life. And here's what I mean. If we can get the concept and the truth that Jesus is trying to get across to Peter in this situation, and, and throughout all of his teaching, our lives will dramatically change. How we look at life will dramatically change. What we get out of life will dramatically change, and you'll see what I'm talking about. He says, listen, I didn't come to be served. I came to be a minister. I didn't come for people to do stuff for me. I came to do stuff for other people. I came for that cross. Get behind me. You're in my way. You're blocking God's purpose for my life. You're blocking the Father's will for my life. For this cause came I into this world. For this reason was I born. I came for that cross. Get out the way. Get out the way. Then he begins to teach a truth. Unless a man will deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me, he cannot be my disciple. Listen, here, here's, here's, here's the truth. Here's the truth. Number one, God saved, no, no, not that number one. I'll give you that number one in a minute. This is just coming from my head, all right? This ain't the notes, all right? I seen you going after the book. Don't do that, amen. Here's the thing. I, just, I use numbers when I'm talking and teaching, amen. Here's the thing. We are put on this planet with a purpose. We are put on this planet with a destiny. There are some people that are very skilled at certain things. It just blows me away. There are some people that are born with it. They can just take a pencil and a pad and just draw amazing pictures. But there, and there are some people that can stand and sing like a mockingbird. I mean, don't make any effort whatsoever. Just let her fly. And there's some that can't say amen. And there's some that needs to understand that that is not their purpose and shouldn't make everybody suffer. Say amen. But we all have a purpose. We all have a reason. And God is saying this, unless you're willing to deny yourself, take up your cross, understand your purpose, fulfill, surrender to that purpose. And, and you say, why does he have to deny himself? Because I think sometimes when God is calling us to that purpose, we don't understand that that's going to bring the most fulfillment in our life. Here's my illustration. When God was calling me to preach, the first thought of even thinking about standing in front of people scared me to death. I said, there ain't no way I'm going to do that. There's no way. I done seen all the grief my father's gone through. I'm not getting up in front of a bunch of people. That ain't, and, and just not understanding. And I had my way. I had my plans. I had my desires. I had my want-tos. Well, I want to do this, and I want to do that. But what I didn't have in my head is the understanding that God knew me better than I knew myself. Now, why wouldn't he? He made me. He designed me. He invented me. He's the architect. He knows how everything works in me. He gave me my likes and dislikes. Okay, how many of y'all in here like oysters? Raise your hand. All right, how many of y'all? Uh, you don't. See there? God made you that way. God knows every like. God knows every dislike. God knows whether you like broccoli and cheese. God knows whether you like uh, Briar's vanilla over ice cream and pie, apple pie, a brownie. Say man right there. I'm preaching now. God gave you all of that. 
God made you the way you are with a purpose. So don't think you're smarter than Him when you think you know what you want. Because then God will give you what you want, and then when you get what you want, you don't want what you get. Hello? So we have to deny ourselves first. I'm so glad that when we deny ourselves first and let Him have His way, then we... then then. What we get, we're so thankful. I can't imagine myself doing anything to what I'm doing right here. But you got to deny yourself and say, I'm willing to do what you want me to do. I have to be a fully surrendered person. A fully surrendered person. I've got to be a Romans 12 Christian. I'm not, I, listen, I beseech you therefore, brethren, Paul says, I beg you, I beg you because of what Jesus did for you, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service so with all that being said there's just a couple points i want you to get all right we talked about we talked about his profession we talked about uh uh, his his conflict his struggle with oh my goodness this bad stuff that's going to happen sometimes bad stuff happens to good people bad stuff happens to everybody listen just because you're a christian doesn't mean that you're not going to have to face a valley that you're not going to have to be at the bed of a loved one who's dying that you're not going to have to go through cancer, that you're not going to have to have heart disease. Listen, all this stuff is a part of the curse that we all have to live with. Just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you're immune to that. But because you're a Christian, God said, my grace will be sufficient. Because you're a Christian, you don't have to go through that alone. Because you're a Christian, you can stand at the bedside of a loved one with their family around them praying and singing praises unto God and the grace of God and mercy of God fill that room like crazy. You don't have to face what you face alone. Now here's the thing. Here's what I want you to get. Just Here's your number one, guys. All right. Number one, I want you to see the principle to understand. That's kind of where we stopped last week. We run out of time. I want you to look at the principle. And this is in verse number, verse number 25. <clears throat> and this is, this is where I'm going to explain, if we'll just get the right perception of life, it'll change our life. Verse 25, if you're there, say amen. amen. For whosoever, he tells him in verse 24, you need to deny yourself. In other words, be fully, completely surrendered to me and, and, and fulfill your purpose. Figure out what it is that God wants you to do in this life. And then let's get busy doing it. Follow me doing what God has called you to do, what God has gifted you to do. I, somebody, uh, uh, one of my friends, uh, uh, Brother Jerry Thomas, sent, sent me an a, 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 a article. And, and in that article, there was a phrase that I wrote down. It, it, it just stood out to me for some reason, but this is the phrase. You can fill your life with activity or you can fill your life with purpose. The choice is yours. Man, that stood out to me. How many people are really active, but they're accomplishing nothing? Well, preacher, we went here and we went there and we went there, maybe for the sake of entertainment, and there's nothing wrong with entertainment. Everybody needs to relax and be entertained and and see. I'm, I'm not against none of that. But are you living your life in such a way that you're full of activity or are you full of purpose? Are you filling your life with things that are going to make a difference in the long run? Are you feeling and doing things in your life that's going to change the life of others? Are y'all with me? Say amen. Listen, here's the deal. Here's the deal. Here's the principle. After he explained to them what they needed to do, he explains to them why. Verse 24. 
Verse 24, pinch your neighbor if they're sleeping. Pinch your neighbor, wake them up. Here we go. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Now he tells them why. Watch this. For who, This is the principle. This is the principle of life that we all need to understand. For whosoever will save his life. The word save there means to hoard or to hold back. It means to preserve, to save. Uh, he, if he will save his life, shall lose it. But whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall what? Here's the one thing you got to understand about life. In God's economy, everything is backwards to the world. In God's economy, in God's way of doing things, everything is backwards from the world. What does the world say? Get. The world says kill or be killed. Do whatever you got to do. Cheat, lie, steal, kill. Do everything you can to get. But God says give. The world says, get and you will have. But God says, if you do all the getting, you're going to end up with nothing. Give and it shall be given unto you. Are y'all with me? In God's economy, everything is backwards. Everything is different than what the world is trying to tell you. Here's the thing. If we're going to go up, we got to go down. If we're going to live, we got to die to self. Let me give you a couple verses. Watch what it says. This is in red. Jesus is speaking, Matthew 23, 11. But he that is greatest among you shall be your servant. You know who we think is greatest? The one who everybody else is serving. You turn on the TV and you look at, you look at it's amazing to me, the mutual admiration societies on this planet. Actors who do fake stuff are standing in Hollywood getting awards and people just, just oh, for being fake. You get a reward for being the best faker. How warped is our world? Watch, watch. He that is greatest among you shall be your servant. Now watch this. And whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased. He's going to be brought down. He that humble himself shall be exalted. Isn't that amazing? Hey, watch this, guys. You can look in Hollywood. You can look at any of the country stars or any, any, any rock stars or whatever. Everybody has their heyday. And then there's usually a sad crashing down. God says if you want to be great, you need to learn to be humble. And then he says this. And then he says this. You want to have something? He says in Luke 6, 38, what's the first word? Luke 6, 38. Do you have that? What's the first word? You know what the world says? Get. Take. Steal. Grab. God says this. Give, and it shall be given unto you. How? Good measure. Pressed down. Shaken together. Running over. Shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that ye meet, with all it shall be measured to you again. God is so different than the world. The world says, just take all you can. Just can all you get. Just do everything you can. And they're doing that today. And God says, if you won't, give. If you give, I'll give to you. You see, God's economy is different. God's way of life. You remember, he's the inventor of it. He made and he formed man out of the dust of the ground. And he breathed in his nostrils the breath of life. And he became a living soul. 
God is the designer of life. He knows how it should be. Now, here's the, here's the thought. Now, watch. Everybody look at me. Everybody look at me. Because if you get this, uh, all the other stuff will fall right into place. If you can understand that your life is not about you, if you could ever, ever understand the fact that if you can make your life about him and everybody else, you say, well, preacher, well, what about me? Don't worry about you. If you will take care of God's business, God will take care of your business. Do you see what Jesus did when he came? He came for everybody else. He came and served everybody else. He came and fed everybody else. He came and healed everybody else. He came and ministered to everybody else. He got down and took out his outer garment and got down on his hands and knees and washed their old nasty stinking feet. He came and was a servant. And guys, he was a rock star. Everywhere he went, crowds flocked around him. But he was the epitome of humility. He was the epitome of meekness. He was the epitome of a servant. He said, I'm your master and Lord, but look what I'm doing. The the disciples were arguing over who was going to be the greatest in the kingdom. They were arguing over who was going to sit on what side of him. You know why? Because they had the same mentality as so many Christians today. It was about them. It was about what they wanted. It was about their desires. It was about their wishes. The world revolved around them. And Jesus is just shaking his head, trying to get him to understand, you've got to change your mentality because it's not about you. And if you make it about you, you're going to have a miserable life on this planet. You let me tell you why? Because when you make life about you, you get your feelings hurt easily. When you make life about you, anytime anybody does something or, or says something that's the least little bit against you, you think your world's falling apart. When things don't go just your way, you get frustrated and you get angry and you get upset and you get mad at people and you get mad at God. When, when God is saying, listen, it's not about you. It's never been about you. I didn't create you for you. I created you for me. And if we could get this, if we could understand, it's not about me. I have no rights. I have no rights. All my rights are in Him. I'm a slave to Jesus Christ. He died for me. He bled for me. He sacrificed His life so I could have life. I don't have any rights. Let me tell you. All right, they're not with me, Balcony. Will y'all get with me? Will y'all help me? Y'all get with me? Watch this. Let me tell you when you have the right spirit and the right heart and the right attitude and you have a servant's heart is when how do you respond and how do you act when somebody treats you like a servant? Yeah, it is. Ooh. I walked in, I walked in uh, uh, the post office the other day up there at, uh, up at Vinemont. I just got through preaching on some of this stuff. Having a servant's heart and all that kind of thing. And, and I, I, I walked up there and this lady was spending a little bit extra time in her car. But, I, you know, I wanted to be the gentleman and, and hold the door. And I'm thinking, all right, come on, lady. I got to go. You know, and I, but I didn't. I just stayed there and she finally got on. And, and I held the door open for her. And she walked through and didn't even acknowledge me. 
I thought, my, why you heifer? <laughs> I'm sorry I got my boots on today. I'm just being honest, guys. You know who your preacher is. And by the way, if y'all can, tell Tammy y'all like these boots so I can keep them. Say amen. All right. There you go. It got worse. It got worse. How many of y'all have ever been to the Vironmont Post Office? Y'all know there's a door and then there's a door. Right? It's like a door and a door. You go in this little... And so I held the door and she walked... And then, he, and, and then and when I come through, she opened the door and went in and then shut the door on me. I said, I ought to pray for you. And you know what God said? How you doing, servant? Now listen, y'all can laugh all you want, but I know who I'm preaching to. Because they say if you've been in the church within three years, you're just like your preacher. So I know who I'm preaching to. How do we act, How do we act when people don't, free, don't treat us right? Do we get sideways and bent out of shape because we think the world revolves around us? But if we ever get that mentality that, hey, it's not about me. It's all about him. If Jesus gives glory, what did John say? He must increase, but I must. Boy, if we can get that, guess what? We're going to have a whole lot less drama in our life. When that woman walks by and don't acknowledge us, we can say, bless your heart. Amen. We we're not going to get an attitude because it's not about us. We shouldn't be doing it so we can get a response. We should be doing it because God told us to. Right? And what Jesus is trying to say, if you're trying to, if you're trying to grasp and hold on to your life, your desires, your wishes, guess what? They're going to go right through your fingers. If you'll give them up and give them to me, God says you're going to truly find it. You know what? Back when I was 17 years old, when I surrendered to preach, I was in high school. I was 17 years old. I could have done my own thing. And you know what? I'd have lived a miserable life trying to hold on to what I wanted because what I wanted would have never fulfilled me. But I said, Lord, it's you. I got tired of running. I got tired of the conviction. And I said, Lord, it's you. I wish I could say I was real spiritual and I was all surrendered. I'll be honest with you. I was kicking and fighting every step of the way. I know that's probably not what you wanted to hear, but I'm just telling you, it is what it is. And, that's, and it's not always been that way with God's will in my life. Sometimes I'm just, man, I'm all for it, but sometimes it's hard. Amen? Amen? But every time when you surrender, I find what I was looking for when I was looking over there. Because he said, if you will lose your life for my sake, then you're going to do what? You're going to find it. What you were looking for over there, you're going to find over here. But you've got to be willing to trust and believe Him. Amen? Now, here's, that's, the, that's the principle. The principle of life, it's not about you. Okay? It's not about you. If you can get anything out of that point, it's not about you. Make it about Jesus and others. If you will make it... Now, watch this, guys. Watch this. 
Who's bigger, you or Jesus? And let me say it again. Who's bigger, you or Jesus? Do you know what Jesus said? If you will make life about him, he will make life about you. So whose hand is bigger? He says, if you'll, you'll surrender and give me your life, I'll give you mine. Because you remember what he said in, in, in John 13? He said, you see what I've done? I've washed their feet. I'm the master. I'm the king. I'm the Lord, but I've washed your feet. He said, I've showed you this because happy, say that with me, happy, everybody say it, happy are ye if ye do them. He said, my joy I'm going to give to you, and your joy shall be full, right? Now watch, this is a principle. We've got to get this principle that God's economy is backwards. If we're going to go up, we've got to go down. If we're going to receive, we've got to give. If we're going to be exalted, we have to be humbled. If we're going to truly live, we must die to self. Number two, the point to consider. The point to consider, look at verse 26, and I'm almost done. Stay with me. For what is a man profited? He gives the principle in verse 25. Then he asks a question to get you to think. In verse 26, he states the principle that you need to understand about life, and then he wants you to really think about this. He says in verse 26, For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own? You know what I wrote down in my notes? I put this. What good is it to gain it all if you leave with nothing? What good is it to gain it all if you leave with nothing? Guess what? Bill Gates is going to die one day. Warren Buffett's going to die one day. Listen, they're all that's gained everything in our eyes. They're going to die one day. And they're going to leave it all behind. Now here's the question. There's nothing wrong with planning. There's nothing wrong with investing. There's nothing wrong with getting. Man, I hope you all can just, just, just have all the, 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 that God will bless you with. Man, that's wonderful. The, the point that Jesus is making here, he's not saying everybody should be broke but saved. He's saying don't let what you are trying to get keep you from getting saved. Don't let your total focus be on materialism. Don't let your total focus be on possessions. Don't let your total focus be on what you're trying to get in this world because everything you see in this world is temporary. Brand new cars are old. The moment you drive off the lot. Ask your car dealer. I'm talking about the moment you drive off the lot, they start going down. Your houses go down. Your clothes go down. Everything in this world is temporary. Everything in this world is, is deteriorating. Everything in this world is cursed and dying. And God says, don't spend your life trying to get something that's temporal when you are forgetting the eternal. Let me tell you how serious Jesus was about this. When he started talking about eternity and your soul and, and heaven and hell, he said, hell is so bad and heaven is so wonderful that if it takes plucking one of your eye out to get in, pluck it out. Now think about that. If something you're seeing is offending you or, or blocking you from getting in, pluck it out. That is pretty severe. That is, that is pretty serious, wouldn't you say? That's what Jesus is saying about this. Nothing is more important than your soul. No possession, no person, no amount of money, no hobby. Nothing is more important than your soul. 
Then he says this. Well, he, listen, Job understood this when he said this. Naked came I into this world. And what? Naked shall I return. In other words, I came with nothing, and I'm going to leave with nothing. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen? Now watch. Then he, then he ups it. Then he ups it. He says, what is it profited if you gain the whole world and lose your soul? It's just like the man who said, I'm going to build bigger barns, and I'm going to get, and I'm going to get, and I'm going to have, and I'm going to have all. He said, thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. And then who shall these things be? He spent all his time on the temporal, and he forgot the eternal. Are you all with me? Say amen. Then he one-ups it. He says, matter of fact, not only what is it profit if a man shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul, but this is, this is, he says, on the day of judgment, what will a man give in exchange for a soul? What does that mean? He's basically saying there's a day we're going to come and stand before God. And there is nothing you have or can give to get it back. How many rich people is going to stand before God and try to write him a check? And their money is meaningless. I read a sign one time. Man, it made a whole lot of sense. Many people spend their life and spend their health getting money. And at the end of their life, they spend their money trying to get their health back. And one day, there's going to be a ton of people standing at the judgment seat of Christ. And they want, they want to get back what they've lost. And there's nothing that will get it back. What will a man give in exchange for his soul? And you know what the answer to that question is? Nothing. Nothing. When, that, when you take your last breath, that's the last opportunity you have. It's a done deal. Listen, the last thing. Don't you write this down and we'll pray. Don't you see the presentation to anticipate? He says this in the very next verse. He says this in the very next verse. He said, look, look, I'm coming back. I'm coming back. And there will be a reward one day. It will be worth it one day. How many of y'all have ever heard people when they're talking about, you know, especially on Facebook, you know, people doing stupid stuff or living against what they know. They know that God's Word says, let's just use shacking up, for instance. You just well, I don't want no Christian to judge me. God is my judge. Yeah! That's what I want to say. Yeah! And that don't bother you? That don't scare you? You don't understand. Do you understand? You're, you're, you're pronouncing your own judgment. That you acknowledge what you're doing is wrong. And that you understand that one day you're going to have to stand before God. So what excuse are you going to give God then? What are you going to tell Him? God's going to look at you and say, You said yourself, I'm going to be your judge. Now here we are. Let me give you a verse. Let me give you a verse. 2 Corinthians 5, 8. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the bodies to be present with the Lord. What does that mean? It means the moment you close your eyes on this side, you're going to open them on that side. 
The moment that you die, if you're saved, if you're a born-again child of God, the moment you close your eyes on this side, when Brother Harrington closed his eyes in that hospital bed at UAB on Friday, he opened his eyes and saw Jesus. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Now watch this. Wherefore, because of that, he says, we labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. In other words, whether we're on this side or that side, he's happy with us. How many of y'all want God to be happy with you? Now watch, watch. For we must all, say that with me, for we must, in other words, we're all going to be there. Nobody's, nobody is immune to this. Nobody, listen, nobody has, we're all going to be there. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Now watch, verse 11. Read it with me, verse 11. Knowing, ho, 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 I need everybody in the balcony too. I need to hear you up there. Come on, guys, everybody get with me. Knowing therefore the, we do what? Stop. You have a lot of new age churches and a lot of, a lot of new age preachers that just want to, oh, we just want to talk about love and we want to talk about grace and we want to talk about, you know, uh, he's a God of love and he's a, he is all that. But this word, put that back up for me if you don't care. Knowing therefore the... You know what Paul says? He says, because of the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. In other words, what motivates him to minister like he ministers and to preach like he preaches and to reach like he reaches and to try to get everybody he can saved, it wasn't the love of God. It was the terror of the Lord. Now, guys, I hope you understand this. One day, this thing that we call life, it's going to end. And, and I know when we're young, we think it's going to be forever. How many of y'all are old enough to know that's just not a fact? How many of y'all have gotten to the age now that your birthday's every third day? Man, when you're young, when you're young, it seems like it's forever. But when the older you get, the faster they come. And we realize that time is flying. And it's going to end. I know all the excitement at the wedding. And it was. I'm telling you, it was, it was so beautiful. I mean, it, 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 was, it was, I'm talking about, it, it, it needed to be in a magazine somewhere. You see the groom riding over the hill, and I, and it's just oh, it was it was crazy. But you know what? That's going to end. One day, all of this is going to be over, and we are going to stand before God and give account for our life. You know that that dash between the numbers. That dash between 1973 and, and whatever it's going to be. God's going to say, what did you do with what I gave you? You remember, remember what we said earlier about what, what life is? Life is the opportunity that God has given us, the allotted time on earth, to give Him glory and to bring Him glory. And God is going to say, what did you do 
with what I gave you. If you spend your whole life being about you, you're going to be so miserable. Because every little thing that happens, you're going to take offense to it. You're going to get grief from it because you've made it about you. But if you make life about Jesus and others, you say, well, who's going to make over me? Jesus. And I'd rather him make over me than everybody else. And all God's people say it. Amen. Let's give it all we got. Listen. In Ecclesiastes, the Bible says, Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. For there is no knowledge, there's no power, there's none of this in the grave whether thou goest. You know what Solomon's trying to teach us? Man, if you're going to do it, do it. Go wide open. What if I fail? Well, fail big. Go big or go home. That needs to be our motto. We only got one time around with this deal. And whatever we choose to do, let's do it wide open. Whatever thy hand find to do, do it with thy might. Because when we go to the grave, we won't be able to do nothing. Jesus said this, I must work while it is day, for the night cometh when no man... What is he saying? There's going to come a day when I won't have an opportunity. And let me say this to younger people, especially in your 20s. 20s, 30s. You know, 40s, the new 20. <laughs> it is when you turn 40, don't it? Eh? Do everything you can for God while you got energy. Because believe it or not, it goes. How many of y'all believe that, that all this energy is wasted on the youth? Do what you can for God now. Don't say, I'm waiting, you know. That I, no, you're the generation now. Use your life now. Use your energy now. Use your enthusiasm now. Do it now. Do stuff and make stuff matter that, that money can't buy. Not one time around that bed Friday did I hear anybody or even, even Mr. Arrington say, well, I wish I could do some more overtime at work. You know what all they wanted was time with their family. Don't get so caught up on the things that money can buy. Because the most precious things in life are the things it can't buy. And all God's people say it. Father, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that you'll help.